Before we get into today's chat, we'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which we record this podcast today, the peoples of the Kulin Nation. As always, we pay our respects to their elders past and present. Welcome to Talking in Common, a podcast of all things lifestyle, family, relationships, well-being, kids and culture. This is not a how-to, but an insight into the lives of ourselves and others and how we all manage to get by. Hosted by myself, Kate Gadinsky, and my co-host, Sophie Panton. Take a listen and let's find out what we all have in common. We'd like to say thank you and a big shout out to today's Sharing is Caring brand, Moody, Fertility Unfiltered. Their first vitamin product, Prenatal by Moody, is available now. Welcome back. Today, we are bringing you a special mini episode featuring our recent Sharing is Caring guest. In these segments, we like to connect with a person or brand with a great story and initiative, giving you inside knowledge and often great tips on a wide range of areas. Today's guest, Jess Rosenberg, is the founder of new fertility and women's health brand, Moody. We hope you all enjoy. Let's get into the chat. Jess, can you share with us and our listeners what is Mood and the story of how it all came about? Yeah. So, look, I was always really inspired by reproductive health and I felt like there was a part that was missing from the story and that was really what's happening to the woman and the maternal health angle in this whole piece. You know, we've all kind of gone through this. It's really all about the baby, which is beautiful, but there's also a woman behind each birth and, you know, women's health is dismissed at alarmingly high rates. I think my turning point was really my first postpartum experience after the birth of Sunny, who's six now. And I had some really sexy issues that I discovered like a year and a half down the track that I thought was completely normal. I didn't want to complain. I wanted to trust my doctors when they said, that's fine, just kind of carry on. And it turned out it wasn't. And I didn't really need to go through such discomfort for so long. And I felt like there's so much to this story that we don't know about our own bodies. How far back, you know, in our own health education does that really go? And can we change our own health trajectory essentially with the more information we know? So it kind of started from that place. I went back to study after the birth of my second little boy, Milo. I went to uh, study nutrition and naturopathy and everything kind of fell in together. I really wanted to formulate a really high quality blend for prenatal support. And the two, pieces of the puzzle fit together really nicely for me to have a community of you know educational content and then also a product that can support health and well-being. Mm, it's a perfect combination. What did you do prior to that, Jess? Social yeah, I'm a social worker. So, you know, I think I approached everything from this systemic angle of like how can we critique our society and make it better and more supported. For me, it doesn't feel like such a far stretch essentially to go from that world into this. I see all the dots. It's all coming from the same place really about making some kind of systemic change. Mm, I think most things in this sort of space, the pregnancy, birth, women's health, often stems from someone's personal experience and kind of finding like either a gap in the market of products or a gap in your own network or community or, or resources for support. I would say the same. I think it kind of took me a third time around to feel really confident in what I was creating. It was kind of perfect that I felt pregnant during this life cycle of formulation and development of the product, of the prenatal vitamin, mm -hmm. because, you know, it gave me time to really test it out, not just from previous lived experience, but from current lived experience. And that mm -hmm. was really useful because I tweaked a lot of things based off that. Mm -hmm. I went in with a very strong vision that high quality ingredients had to be at the core, which they still are. But I think 
you know, once I fell pregnant and I was testing stuff out, I just thought, I cannot stomach that. It's way too big, that tablet or that odor is going to be off-putting. In the beginning, I'm like, that'll be fine. And then I taste it. I'm like, that is not fine. (laughs) If it doesn't pass, you know, the test on me now, then I I can't give that to anybody else. So So great that you were in the right timing in your life that you could test your own product and actually know from your own personal opinion what it was like. It was a positive and a negative. I had planned to release this last year. I was actually ready to go. You know, life mm. panned out the way that it did. So it gave me time to test and, yeah, right. you know, and tweak. In the end, it's all worked out really nicely. And in the meantime, just being able to connect with other women, we you know when we discuss these topics, people will say I've had a very normal, average experience, you know, in my fertility journey, falling pregnant pregnancy, postpartum, whatever it might be, but then really starting conversations and finding out things that we don't really acknowledge in our own experiences as being traumatic or Mm. out of the norm or not okay. You know, it was really nice to be able to just connect with people, I think, on that level instead of being product focused because for me, that's the real crux of the brand anyway, Mm. other conversations. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that because ever since we discovered you on Instagram and we connected over Instagram, Mm -hmm. we've been so engaged with all the content that you do provide and like the community that you're creating. You know, it's a really safe and informative and also really fun and cool place to be Mm -hmm. on your Instagram or on your website. You write most of the articles. What's the real driver behind creating the community first and, and sharing so many resources? I think pregnancy can feel really one-dimensional. You know, Mm. there's a certain stigma around what we should look like, you know, as women who are exploring our fertility, how we should respond to pregnancy, how we should be as mothers. And speaking with friends, family, from experiences that I've had, that's just not the case for most people. And I just wanted something that was authentic and real. And Mm. I'm glad that it's been received as something way more than that. But I felt like, you know, just because we're going through this doesn't mean we need to feel clinical or we need to feel perfect or glowing, that people have ups and downs and um, non-linear fertility experiences. And I really wanted to address that. And that's really the inspiration behind a lot of the content. It's like, what Mm. is no one talking about publicly? Mm. But, you know, I hear behind closed doors or I chat about with my friends and how can we make that a less scary conversation by providing some information so that if you find yourself experiencing that, you can look to somewhere who's already discussing it so you don't feel so alone. And that's really the inspiration behind almost everything that's that's shared. It's so true. I actually would be one of those types to say, yeah, my pregnancy was somewhat textbook. You, you say it, you've said that before. Yeah. I probably said the same thing. And would you actually. say the same thing? Yeah, yeah. You had, you know, good, let's say easy pregnancies. But within that frame of textbook, there are so many weird freaking things going on that, (laughs) you know, you're not sure if that's just you or if everyone's having that or, you know, there's so many things that you're discovering about yourself during that experience. And it is very lonesome, isn't it? Because no one else is experiencing it. We're very good at like just not mentioning stuff. Like it's fine. Yeah. It's it's all good. Correct. And and especially because it feels common, right? Like everybody's saying they've experienced that. So it's, it's totally normal because it's common my whole vibe is just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal it's abnormal that Mm. we go through a lot of the things that we do and I found like in conversations with friends like once you kind of scratch the surface people be like I had a normal experience oh but it was so bizarre this happened to me and you kind of if you think about it in another context like that's actually awful what's what Mm. we've gone through but Mm. we're being conditioned to just 
brush it aside as normal. Mm. And I wanted some of those conversations to come out into the open because we were having them quietly if you asked the right question, but it wasn't mainstream conversation. People do want to talk about those things as well. They often just don't feel comfortable or they feel Mm. awkward or don't have the right person. Don't have the right person to chat Mm. to, which is what makes them a bit taboo because then it stops us from actually just talking. I think we're on the cusp of like a new wave where anything that used to be awkward or taboo is being encouraged so it's just about embracing that including this it's a very physiological thing that's happening to our bodies we shouldn't have to feel ashamed about the aftermath Mm. which can be not so pretty sometimes and I think that it's quite empowering if we can feel like we have a little bit more knowledge so we know the right questions to ask and the right conversations to have. Are you open sharing a little bit more about the conditions that you mentioned earlier after your birth of your first son because when you mentioned it offline it actually made Kate and I have (laughs) quite an interesting conversation so it's probably worth asking you a little bit more about it here yeah. if you're open to it yeah love it I so <laughs> it took me a while I was really uncomfortable after I gave birth I had an episiotomy which most people do and was stitched back up and I couldn't walk for weeks it was really quite excruciating but I thought that was normal I'd never given birth before and my doctor made me feel like it was relatively normal yeah I had a few checkups afterwards and had some granulation tissue scarring which ended up basically getting like off and ripped out like in the doctor's rooms and waddled on home with a pad between my legs and a baby in a in a capsule just waiting for it to get better and better and I ended up with vaginismus and vulvodynia so like a muscle tightening essentially and nerve damage and it took a year and a half to diagnose it and to work through it it was really uncomfortable and really quite upsetting honestly and when I would start to talk to friends about it quite openly all of a sudden people would say the same things to me they would say oh you know I'm actually sex is really uncomfortable two years Mm. after giving birth Mm. or whatever it might be and they're awkward things to talk about but once we're all sharing it you know I would kind of say I've learned that that's not normal. (laughs) It shouldn't take that long to feel comfortable or not in pain. And it was really interesting to say that I actually had a few friends that were suffering similar conditions but had never explored it. They weren't offered a pelvic floor physio exam afterwards, didn't know to do that. And just so much of this stuff could have been avoided or treated earlier and it became a bit of a mission. Like I will talk about this to everyone and anyone because it's important that we can deal with it earlier. Well, I'd never heard of it before. Had you heard of it, Soph? No, no, no. I hadn't heard of it before and I feel like you and I both read a lot. We do a lot of research about this type of thing and mm. I had not heard of it. So I can imagine that a, a lot, lot of people, people probably haven't heard about it. And then, as you said, people aren't talking about it. So, so many people don't get a diagnosis and they're suffering in pain. They're feeling isolated. They're probably feeling depressed and going like, what is wrong with me? But actually there is something going on. Yeah, and the beauty is it's like quite easily treated, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. Pelvic floor, it's pelvic floor physio, which, you know, is kind of awesome. You know, I've made great friends with my pelvic floor physios. I've seen them now for years, preemptively <laughs> before the birth, you know, when I was pregnant with both of my other kids. It was just like a routine part of prep Did for it me. come back No, because I just went and had regular checkups. It's not that bad. It was like, you know, working on it beforehand rather than dealing with it in the aftermath. That was kind of hard work. They're called dilators essentially that you insert and you kind of move up in size to help stretch out and relax the pelvic Mm. floor Mm -hmm. and some basically an antidepressant topical cream for nerve damage pain. It was kind of a double whammy. So 
you know, I would walk around and tell everyone, I have a depressed vagina and this is why <laughs> and let's not get there, you I know, love that. for everyone else. Sorry, not that you had a depressed vagina, but I love that word. Yeah, I know. Vagina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, like, and it was she's important now because, though, right? Yeah, so is your vagina totally. in top notch now? Yeah, she's she's in good shape. <laughs> Third time around, actually the best, I will oh, say. Good, so okay. that surprised me. Yeah, yeah. Good to hear. So, you know, anything is possible, but it's just about kind of addressing it early on really and making sure people are aware of it. It's super common. This is like bread and butter for a pelvic floor physio. No, I really appreciate you sharing that because literally after you had mentioned it to us the other day, I said straight away to Kate, I was like, you know what, it's actually kind of uncomfortable for me to have sex after having yeah. this baby. And after the first time around, it was a little bit too, but I was like, whatever. Just push through, right? Maybe, yeah, push through. Maybe it's normal. And thank God someone did recommend for me to see a pelvic floor physio again at the time after my first baby, didn't even know it was a thing. It's not like yeah. the GP was suggesting to go and have that checked out. Yes, I was glad that I did that the first time around, but it sparked a conversation. It made me think, you know what, actually I need to go and get checked. Have I you done anything out. about that yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> the most disorganized person in the world but hey I'm gonna write big letters next to me here make a note a calendar reminder no but it should be a routine part of the checkup you know mm-hmm. and, and a lot of health professionals will say the same it's crazy that it's not so you know it would be an awesome world where it's just a routine part of your postpartum checkup just like the baby has to be checked the mum should be checked yeah, it's yeah, just as important. exactly so you have just launched your first product a prenatal vitamin congratulations yeah. thank you yeah Very. it's exciting a labor of love Another labour. What has the process sort of been like and what drove you to create this given there are a lot of prenatal vitamins already out on the market? Yeah, so look, probably similarly to the way that we provide the content that we do, I felt like a lot of women were taking what they're told and weren't really mm-hmm. investing much in understanding what you were taking and why and how there could be something that was more beneficial for you. You know, a lot of friends were saying that the supplements they were taking from the chemist make them feel sick, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's gastrointestinal upsets, nausea, the thought of taking a prenatal just put them off entirely and there could be another way there is another way where you know use kind of high quality bioactive ingredients and just the right dose amounts inside each you know nutrient that you're including and also nutrients that work well together ingredients that work well together rather than the kitchen sink and the immediate effect can be just much more pleasant and less uncomfortable so I really wanted to delve into that space and also I've always had an interest in nutrition and naturopathy and I kind of knew about high quality vitamins and to find them which is usually through a practitioner it's it's hard to purchase them on your own and I really wanted to bring some of that knowledge into the mainstream and say there is high quality that you can have here's a bit of educational support around why we should invest in understanding what we're taking and also providing an option that's really accessible you don't have to go through a practitioner to access this you can buy it yourself but for me, ultimately, beyond, you know, buying the product, I just want people to make informed decisions and, yeah. and wherever they land, that will be what's best for them rather than just, yeah, as I said, taking what you're told. Jess, we've just been talking about productivity in children in this episode and um, supposedly the more you have, the more productive <laughs> you become. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. You look a bit taken aback <laughs> by that comment. How are you going with launching your business and now you have three little ones? Look, it's a lot, as we've discussed. There is a lot of kids. But, you know, also, as we were talking about before, it's been really nice to be in the right life stage, I think, to support this, not just the development, but like the understanding of, you know, the women who are taking it. I'm taking the prenatal vitamin that I've created postpartum. You know, we're still in a healing phase for a very long time. So it's important to be nutritionally replete and 
energized because it's kind of the biggest part of the job is really now in the postpartum world. Yeah. And yeah, look, three kids is is a juggle. It's a lot. I've got some very good friends who are in the same position as me. So we'll often just FaceTime each other and just be like staring down the barrel <laughs> like No words needed. (laughs) No words needed. But I think third time around, I've gotten much better at asking for the kind of help that I need. So I'm in a very well-supported place so that I can pursue both worlds. Before we finish up, Jess, looking back, what do you wish that someone told you about pre and also postnatal health prior to becoming a mother for the first time? I wish, I wish, I wish someone spoke more about the physicality of the whole experience Mm. and how not to make us afraid, but to make us informed. I wish I knew from early on from our sex education in school, even a little bit more about the whole reproductive health life cycle. I think, you know, we have a one dimensional view, which is in school, don't get pregnant. And we don't even understand our own cycles as a result. So when it comes to that time when we're trying to fall pregnant, we basically have to educate ourselves. And I think that's doing a real disservice to our own health and our own autonomy Mm. and I would love to have changed that from then and to understand what it looks like on the other side and to normalize that and I think um yeah that's really that's part of the mission of the brand as well to just make sure that's what's happening um alongside alongside product so probably my big wish is to go way back when and start again at a school education and be a little bit more holistic and honest and empowering Hopefully our kids, by the time they're at an age when they're learning about this stuff, there's been a big change and that they become a lot more informed from a younger age because it would be amazing and Mm. it's important. Absolutely. For males and females to learn about it. I totally agree. I think it would be really awesome for, you know, I've got two boys. I would love them to be more aware of all of this as well. It's not a woman's problem. It's reproductive health affects both men and women and takes two to tango so you know it would be really awesome if it's if it was a bit more mainstream some of these conversations from early on so that they don't feel dirty and taboo and that we feel like we can make great health choices and our partners can support that as well just a small wish yeah (laughs) (laughs) well congratulations on mood and the launch of your first prenatal product thank you Um, so much give everyone a bit of a where they can find it, when it's actually launched, you yes. know, how they can find you. So um, <laughs> we will be really available on, from Thursday the 22nd of September. I have to double check what month we're in. Thursday the 22nd <laughs> of September, you can buy online. So our um, website is We The Moody um, with an odd spelling, M-O-O-D-E, We The Moody. And the oh, same do you pronounce it Moody? You know what? I want to be like real to anyone. It, yeah. it stems from this concept of being moody. Yeah. Like we, we are moody, but like, I Let's totally said that. mood not, when I talk but about But everyone calls it mood stuff. and I love that as well. I think okay. you know, we're a bit of a mood. So it's totally cool. <laughs> I'm always um, a mood. <laughs> yeah, everyone's a bit of a mood. So it works. <laughs> and same on Instagram. That's it for today. Make sure you head to incommonprojects.com.au for the show notes. Hit subscribe on your podcast app and follow us on Instagram at Talking in Common. Or you can check out our Facebook page, which is also Talking in Common. Have a lovely day and as always, thanks for listening.